Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. So we've been in a series over the last four weeks called Behind the Scenes, where we're taking a look at the spiritual dynamic of our faith walk. And so we've talked about that there is, you know, an unseen world where things are taking place. Jonathan did an incredible job talking about what is worship. We've talked about sowing and reaping and controlling our thoughts. And this week, I was going to talk about, um, talk on the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But just to be honest, as I was studying towards the end of last week and the beginning of this week, there was just so many different directions that I wanted to go and so much that... Um, I want to cover that I think doing one message is really not going to do it justice because we are a church that maybe for some of you is a little different background than what you are coming from. When you look and you hear people talk about the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, right? Maybe those of you who are King James readers, right? Holy Ghost. And today's Halloween. It'd be a perfect time to talk about the Holy Ghost, right? Not any other ghost. But we come from two different camps. We come from a camp to where it's not talked about at all. Um, to where the Holy Spirit is almost like squelched and not talked about as something that is living and active in our life, right? Or for some of us who maybe have come from a more Pentecostal, charismatic background, that it's all that is talked about. And it's almost idolized to the point that it's unhealthy. And so we are a church that believes that there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, transforming us into the image of Jesus. But then we also believe that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our lives. There is the power within and there is the spirit upon that equips and encourages and strengthens us for the works of the ministry. And so there's this, there's this taboo term sometimes talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we are a church that believes and practices that, right? And some of you may have, like I grew up Baptist. You didn't talk about it, didn't exist. Churches that did, they were cultish, right? Or maybe you grew up in a spirit-filled denomination to where that's all that was talked about. And you saw that you didn't have the same experience as somebody else, and so you felt less than. I don't want either one of those ditches. I don't want you to be in either one of those. So can you guys be patient with me? And I'm working on a series for about in the spring. Can you be patient with me? Because I, I, I really want us to get this and I want us to walk in authority and power and confidence of what God is doing in and through our lives through his Holy Spirit. So can you be patient with me? Yes. All right. Speaking of patience, let's talk about that, right? <laughs> let's talk about patience. How many of you would say that you are a patient person? <laughs> I wish you guys could see what I see. <laughs> it's like, psh, I don't know. And some of you are like, would you just raise your hand already? All right, if that's you, you're definitely not patient, right? And so like there were very few hands that went up. So thank you, Holy Spirit, 
for leading me to share this message. Because patience is something that we, from like the left to the right or your right to your left, that we all struggle with. And so when you look up a couple of definitions of patience, like a more wordy one that I found is the ability to remain, now this is a key word, calm. Everyone take a deep breath. To remain calm and not become annoyed when dealing with <laughs> difficult people and difficult situations. I can feel the tension. This is going to be a fun one, right? But we all struggle with patience. And if you want to boil it down to a more simple term, patience is to wait without complaining. To wait without complaining. And if we want to boil it down in its simplest form, it's to wait without complaining. And there are days when probably most of us in here, we do okay. I'm not going to say great, right? Because I think as a culture, we're not very good at waiting in patience. But most of the time we do okay. But what we need to realize is, is patience is actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 starts out with this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When my youngest daughter was in preschool, um, she, went to, she was going to a private school, and they taught the fruits of the Spirit, and they taught it through a song, and it's um, the fruits of the Spirit is not a coconut. You guys ever heard that song? No? Okay. You need a toddler in your life. Okay, it changes your world in more ways than one. And so she would sit in the back of the van right behind me, and she would sing this song, The Fruits of the Spirit is Not a Coconut. And so she would knock her head, and then, and then she would go through, and she would list, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And she would, she would sing that over and over. And whenever she would find me getting impatient, it was so awesome, my three-year-old correcting a 40-year-old. And she would be like, Dad, what have I told you? <laughs> what have I told you? And then she would sing the song. <laughs> the fruits of the Spirit is not a coconut. <laughs> it's like, how do you take a three-year-old seriously when she's singing that? And she would get to patience, and she would drag it out. She patience, so that I would get it. But I mean, honestly, overall, those of you that have been around me enough, you know, I can be, like, I'm a fairly patient guy. I'm really easy, easy going. My mom always told me that I had the patience of Job. Um, luckily, I haven't suffered like him <laughs> to prove that. Um, but there have been times in my life to where my impatience have gotten me in trouble, caused some humiliation or maybe, you know, some consequences. And being a pastor, you really have to be careful about how you let your impatience come out. And, you know, I found that, that Murfreesboro is a lot like Jackson when it comes time to Christmas shopping. I, like in Jackson, I would never leave the house from like the day after Thanksgiving until like January 3rd. I would do my best not to go shopping anywhere. Um, and Murfreesboro is like 10 times worse. And whoever thought of like the, like the, the roadways over around Target they must have been high and thought it was a really good idea because it is, it's so dangerous. And so, but I remember like there was this one time about three or four years ago, cause my wife loves to shop. She, she loves it. She goes and she just finds the best deal. And I'm so grateful for her tenacity in that, but it takes a while. And so when, when, when you're shopping and other people are like that, we were in front of the shoe carnival in the, uh, Stonewood or, uh, 
area, Stones, yeah, Stones and Jackson and Target, all right? We were near Target and Shoe Carnival. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm trying to find a parking place and everywhere is full and there is a black Tahoe in front of me and they stop just right in the middle. It's like we're, we're coming at the end of, of the, the parking aisle to turn left. The stores are right there and I can't move. And I'm like, I, I want to get the shopping done. I want to get home. And they're just, literally, it was probably like 30, 40 seconds. But when you're in a hurry, 30, 40 seconds feels like forever. And so I was just going to let her know that I was back there and gave a little courtesy honk. I rarely honk my horn like, honk, honk, you know, beep, beep. And so another couple of seconds goes by, and I almost give another honk, and the car drives off. And there's an elderly lady that had gotten out of the car with a walker. So in that moment, Millie's like, Dad, what have I told you? The fruits of the Spirit's not a coconut. No, but I was humiliated. And so I'm like, oh, dear God, does she go to our church? Does she recognize this car? But we've all been in those moments where our impatience gets the best of us. And maybe we've been rewarded negatively. We've been in a, in, in a checkout line, and it's moving slow. So we moved to another line. And then they call for customer service representative. And the person that was behind you gets checked out while you're still waiting in line, right? Whereas if we would have just been patient and stayed where we were at, we could have been done. That's happened to all of us. Impatience gets us in trouble. And, and it's truthful because when you look in Scripture, Proverbs 14, 29, and this is me, it says, Who, whoever is patient has great understanding. But one who is quick-tempered or impatient displays their folly. And there's been many times we've displayed our folly because of impatience. And so if you look at our, our, our society, our culture, we are structuring for impatience. We are killing with our structure and our thoughts and our mindsets an opportunity to produce one of the fruits. It's, it's in everything. Even, you know, we talk about the checkout registers. There was first the express lane, right, where you had to have how many items? 15. At one point, it was like 25. That's too many, right? Let's give you 15, and some of them are even like 10. That moves too slow. I can do it better myself. So let's set up self-checkouts, all right? I'm going to do it better. So now we're having more of those, and I was at Walmart one time waiting in the self-checkout, and there was a line, and I had like five items, and one of the Walmart workers comes up to me, and she's like, would you like to check out? And I'm like, well, that's, that's what I thought I was about to do. <laughs> and, but, but she had a scanner, and she scanned my items while I was waiting in line, and I checked out right there, and I bypassed everything. Whoa, right? But that's how we're structuring our world. When I was working at FedEx, um, and we would have late nights, some of the guys and ladies that I worked with, they door dashed every meal. So they would make their door dash order while they were at work, schedule it for when they got home, so it would be waiting on them when they got home. And I was like, why don't you just drive through the drive-thru on your way home? That makes sense. I don't want to eat it in the car because if I pick it up on the way, I'm going to eat it in the car. And I'm like, why don't you just wait till you get home? And guess what they said? I'm not very patient, <laughs> right? And so we're structuring our world to actually combat this fruit of the Spirit. And so guess how you get better at something? Practice. You get stronger at something by exercising. And so in doing some research, I found this book from the 1930s. And I couldn't find the author, but I found several pages of it. And it says, it's the book, um, Strength of Will and How to Develop It. 
And so they gave some exercises, just practical stuff, not spiritual, but practical stuff of how you and I can strengthen our willpower and practice patience. And one of them is to toss 50 coins on the floor and pick them up one at a time. And each day, increase the amount. Sounds like a fun game, right? <laughs> okay, another thing that you could do is you can take a 150-page notebook, turn each page daily, making a single mark on the front of the page, turning it, making a mark on the other side of the page. Turning the page, making a mark, turning a page for 150 times. 300 marks. Or you can count out loud slowly for 10 minutes. Now, raise your hand if number one intrigues you. Okay, maybe. Raise your hand if number two intrigues you. Raise your hand if number three intrigues you. I got like 2% participation from the crowd, <laughs> which says to me, you have no desire to build your patience. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> call it how I see it. But if you were to drop 50 coins on the floor and pick them up one by one, how long would it actually take? 50 seconds, 10 minutes at the most, literally. Or if you turned 150 pages making a mark, how long would it take? Maybe 10 minutes. Guys, I'm right there with you. Like the thought of doing that, it's like, I don't have time to do that. Like, I barely have time to brush my teeth twice a day, right? But I do, I promise you, okay? <laughs> but this is where we're at as, as, as a world. And so when, when we look at this, that there, there are physical exercises. Paul says that physical exercises is good for the body, but spiritual exercises improves both the physical body and the spiritual body and has um, benefits beyond that. And so there are two areas that I think you and I, we really need to exercise and practice our patience in. And the first one, we said it in the definition, it's people and situations. Um, we need to practice patience with people. And we need to practice patience with God's purpose. Because it's in those two areas that I find myself and probably you that I see more people getting impatient with. It's people who God is madly in love with and its purpose for our life, which he is um, intentionally involved in, if we're trusting him with it. And so when we look at this, when we look at being patient with people, um, we're very, we, we, we very easily put our desires, our priorities, our schedule over most people. Agreed? Yes. And when people's schedules, when their timelines, when their personalities don't match and line up with ours, we write them off. Like, we live in a cancel culture, right? And we could probably do a whole series on, on what that looks like and, and how that's detrimental to our faith walk and to God's kingdom. But if, if, if somebody is not meeting our expectation and we are becoming impatient with them over time because we haven't practiced patience, there will come a point where we write them off. I'm thankful that God has had more than enough patience with me that he hasn't written me off or I would not be standing here right now. And not just things in the past, but things that I wrestle with and disappoint and slow down and, and things right now with him that he is continuing to be patient. It says that he is slow to anger. Guess what that means God is? Patient. 
And so for us, like as I'm talking about this, I want you to think about the people in your life, not necessarily people in your life that have wounded you greatly, but the people in your life maybe that you just find yourself being constantly impatient and frustrated with. It could be a coworker, it could be, you know, a spouse, it could be a child, it could be a friend. Who is it that you find yourself being consistently impatient with? And, and to help us, Paul says this, and I quote this scripture a lot because it's so true. I think things would be different with us if we walk this out. Be humble, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but instead take an interest in others. Don't just think about your priorities, your perspective, but think about other people's perspectives and think about them. And so this is what we have to do. We have to change perspectives, change perspectives. Start with this, with assuming the best of people and not the worst, because that's what we do right now. We assume the worst of somebody. We see something on social media, we hear a comment, we read something, we hear a rumor, we automatically assume the worst because what we like to do is we like to judge people based off their actions and we like to justify ourselves based off our motives, right? We like to judge people based on their actions and what we see, but we justify ourselves based on our motives. And so there was a song and I didn't realize it was like so long ago, Brandon Heath, um, yeah, I'm dating myself, right? 2008, he had a song, like it was his first one, Give Me Your Eyes. You guys know that? Like, Give me your eyes so I can see all that's in front of me, right? What if we live that way? Like, God, give me your eyes to see people as you see people. God, give me your eyes to see through the crowd because it says that when Jesus was standing with the disciples at one point, it says that he saw and he, like, he turned and saw the crowd. So he saw the faces, He's like heard their words, he saw their actions, he probably knew some of them, but he told the disciples that they are like lost sheep, confused without a shepherd. What would happen if we saw each other from God's perspective? What would happen if we saw those who frustrate us and that we lose patience with from God's perspective? To understand and to remember that everyone's fighting a battle everyone's struggling with an insecurity and that plays out on so many different levels. We just happen to be there in moments when it happens and it frustrates us and we lose patience. And so when the lady got out of the SUV with the walker, guess what? My perspective changed. <laughs> and so I'm not always assuming that the person in front of me that is slowing me down is doing it just to slow me down. I'm now... For the most part, I don't get it right 100% of the time. But if somebody like just blows by me on the, on the road or the highway and they seem angry, I'm thinking, well, they're in a hurry. Something must be going on because I know there are times when I'm blowing by somebody and I'm thinking about something else and I'm not thinking about them. And so we, we, we have to understand that everyone's fighting a struggle. Everyone's experiencing something. So let's change our perspective and then let's, let's do this. Forgive their shortcomings. Forgive their shortcomings. And I know like we've talked about forgiving those deep wounds, but sometimes it's those, those little foxes that spoil the vineyard, as, as Solomon says. It's those little things that just creep in over and over that, that aren't necessarily big deals, but they're just, it's like the pebble in the shoe. Any of you guys ever like ran or went on a long walk and, and you've got a pebble in your shoe and you think, well, I can just deal with it for a little bit. And then the more you walk, the more you run, the more that little pebble becomes a huge annoyance. 
And so we, we have to constantly forgive other people's shortcomings that we may kind of get used to, but over time, it just really grades on us. And so Paul says this in Col- Colossians 3.13. It says, make allowances for each other's faults. Other translations say complaints. Um, and other translations say make room for each other's faults. I need a lot of room for my faults. Um, just a big old room. Forgive anyone who offends you, all right? Remember the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive others. Make room, the King James Version says, be forbearing with other people's faults. And so when you look that up, the original translation of that is to be patient, is to be patient with other people's shortcomings, to be forgiving and realize that that's just something that they struggle with. You know, my wife and I, we have come to the point after dating since we were 16 and being married now for 20 years that one of her shortcomings is she asks a lot of questions. And I answer questions slowly. And so I'm trying to answer the first question and she's asking me the fifth question and I'm just trying to process. And so we have learned through the years to try to forgive each other's shortcomings. Mine is I I lose stuff. I forget things. I put reminders in my phone and I'm not at an appropriate place to be able to follow through on that reminder. And I think to myself, I'll take care of it when I get home. Guess what happens when I get home? I forget, it doesn't take care of it. And so thank God that I'm married to a woman that makes lots of room for my shortcomings. And so who in your life do you need to make room for to practice patience, to strengthen that muscle, okay? And then the last one is this, is is ask God how you can serve them. Ask God how you can serve them. Maybe, just maybe, God's gifted you in a way no, no, just maybe, and has brought you into their life to be a compliment and a help to them. In an area that they're weak in, you are strengthened, and so you have become their sidekick, right? Nobody wants to be Robin, but maybe you're their Robin, right? Everybody wants to be Batman, but we all need a Robin to help us out, and so maybe that's you. Instead of getting frustrated, realize that maybe you have an opportunity to serve them and that your gifting and talents can add value. And then on the flip side, maybe God has brought them into your life, and we don't like to talk about this, God has brought them into your life to make you more patient. Because how many times have we prayed for things, God, give me more patience, give me more strength, and we expect to wake up one morning just completely revitalized, to be able to do everything. That's not how it works. Like, you don't wake up one morning being able to bench press 300 pounds, right? I mean, unless, like, you're just a beast, you know. But you probably start out somewhere, you know, I would start out like around the 75-pound mark. <laughs> and so it would take a decade to get there, right? But some of us are that way in our patience. Like we would start out with like the 50-pound mark, and I need lots. So maybe God's brought this person into your life to help you grow some patience. I was on staff with a guy in Jackson, and just an incredible guy. And I want to have his... Um, perspective, when someone was in his life to, um, that, that really challenged him, he called them grace growers. And that we all need grace growers in our life to help us cultivate and strengthen. And so we need these people that, that will help us build patience. And so who in your life has God brought 
brought to you to help you grow in patience. And the other thing that we talk about is, is being patient with God's purpose. And we can't microwave this. When we try to microwave this, we get ourselves in trouble. First Peter 5 and 6, and Peter's given some advice to young men, and he says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. In my notes, it says money, so I'm hoping it doesn't say that on the screen. <laughs> humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at just the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at just the right time, he will lift you up in honor. And like the waiting period, when it's coming into a new position, when it's coming into a new career, when it's coming into a new season, can be very, very difficult. And we can try to push through it. And we can try to um, expedite it and speed it up. But what can happen is we can overcook it on the outside and undercook it on the inside. Okay, So there are two things that, that, that we have to do in order to practice patience with our purpose. And the first one is this, and it's very simple. It's just do what's expected. Just simply do what's expected of you. We grow up wanting to do the extra credit. We don't want to do the assignment that our teachers give us. And so at the end of the semester, at the end of the nine weeks, and we realize that our grade is not quite where we want it, and we're not quite where we want to be, and we go and we want to do the extra credit. Maybe we don't show up for work during, you know, the times that we're supposed to, but it gets to the end of the month and we need more money. So what do we do? We ask for overtime. When we would have just done what was expected to begin with, we're in the process of reaching our purpose, but we don't want to be patient with that but we have to do what's expected. We know the great story of, of David, um, the second king, the anointed king of Israel, and the fight where he defeated Goliath. We know that story. Um, but when David was anointed king as a teenager, he didn't go straight to the palace. Guess where he went? Back to the field. He went back watching his father's sheep, okay? And so when David got to the point to where he met Goliath, he wasn't there by coincidence. What David was doing is he was doing what was expected of him. He was taking his brothers their lunch. And he could have seen it as an opportunity. He could have been jealous, right? His brothers were, were at battle. He was stuck at home watching the sheep. And he could have felt bad about that. His dad gives him assignment, take your brother's lunch. And he'd be like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm supposed to be the king. That's beneath me. But instead, what he does is he does what's expected. He says he takes some bread and some cuts of cheese to his brother, and it puts him in a place for his purpose. And so when we do what's expected, what happens, guys, is it positions us for our purpose. David was doing what was expected. When we do what's expected, it positions us for our purpose. And the only reason he was able to defeat the giant, when King Saul is like, are you sure you can do this? You're just a boy. What does he say? He says, while I was watching my father's sheep, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear. This Philistine is no match for my God. See, doing what was expected prepared him for his purpose. Because had he been like... I'm the king, I don't have to watch my dad's sheep. He would not have had the practice and would have not went through the purpose or went through the process of fighting the bear, fighting the lion, which strengthened him 
to fight Goliath. You guys tracking with me? But see, we want to bypass all of that. Being patient and doing what's expected now will prepare us and position us for our purpose in the future. Just simply do what's expected. The second thing to help us with pursuing our purpose is, is don't bypass the process. And I find myself doing this more with box furniture, right? Ikea is great, but good Lord, so many pieces, so many parts. And if I remember correctly, there's not a lot of words. It's just pictures. And some of the parts and screws kind of look the same. And so what I have a tendency to do is to look at the package and try to put it together without following the process. And then when I do that, over time, I get frustrated and I'm thinking, I need to go back and follow the process. But guess what I have to do in order to go back and follow the process? I have to start over. I have to undo everything that I've done. Anybody done that before? And then like you just hating yourself afterwards, like I'm an idiot. I should have just started from the beginning, right? But I'm trying to be the man. I'm trying to show that I know what I'm doing, that I don't have to follow instructions. I can just look at the picture. And, and we find ourselves doing that, trying to speed up the process. And we see a great picture of this in the Old Testament with, with a couple named Abraham and Sarah. And they were older. You know, they were in their 70s when God had given them a promise that they would have, like, be the, be the father and mother of, you know, many nations. And, and Abraham is like, I don't even have one son. And God is like, you're going to have a son. And Sarah's like, I can't do it. I'm too old. So here, take my, take my servant, Hagar. And so what do they try to do? They try to speed up the process. And Hagar gets pregnant, has a son. Ishmael causes all kinds of strife. And that's not, that's not how God intended it, Abraham had to sit in the process. He couldn't bypass it. He had to wait another 20 plus years for it. And for so some of you in here, maybe God's put a purpose in your heart. Maybe he's put a desire. He's put a destiny. He's put something that you feel like he's called you to do and you feel like it's taking too long. God's timing is way better than your timing. And so maybe we try to like turn up the heat a little bit we try to speed up the process. You know, there's been times when I've been in a hurry and I'm trying to cook, you know, grilled steaks or my wife's trying to bake a cake in a hurry. And so we turn up the oven or I turn up the grill and the steaks look good on the outside or maybe even burnt on the outside, but they're rare. Some of you'd be like, that's a perfect steak, right? Give me a blue rare steak. You're, you're crazy, okay? If you can eat that. But, but how many times, like we, we try to speed it up and it looks good on the inside. But when we go to poking in the middle, it's real doughy in the middle. It's doughy on the inside because we haven't followed the process. God doesn't want you to be doughy on the inside, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you're like, I'm kind of doughy, right? <laughs> but he doesn't, want your, he doesn't want your patience to be doughy. He wants you to be firm. Scripture says steadfast and immovable, right? And in order to, to be there, we have to go through these processes and we can't bypass it. God takes us through these processes so that we're not soft on the inside. And so don't give up. Some of you, I want you to know that, that today's pain is tomorrow's strength. Today's heartache in the process is tomorrow's comfort. And it's not just for you, it's for someone else. Today's failure that feels like failure, it's 
making way for tomorrow's success. You can't speed it up. Like, even just looking at this process of us planning the church and moving here, I am so grateful for the pain and the endurance that was built during that time. We don't like it in the moment. It hurts in the moment, but it's once we get, we get through it, we see the strength that is manifested in our life. And I don't want you just waiting pa- passively. So some of you in here, you know, you're, you're impatient with people or impatient with pursuing your purpose. I don't want you just waiting passively. And it's, it's kind of cool we saying that at the end. And I changed my message a couple of days ago, three days ago. And I think Jonathan added that song at the end just today. It's like, we will wait on you, Lord. Patiently, we will wait on you, Lord. And so when you read in Psalms 40, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. I waited patiently for the Lord, but those that wait upon the Lord. And when you look up that word wait, it's, it's, it's the Hebrew word kavah. And I hope I'm saying that right. But it doesn't just mean to wait It means to bind together and strengthen. Think about binding books together with a cord. And then we see in Ecclesiastes that a cord of three strands is not easily broken, right? And so when you're waiting, this is what we do when I'm in the checkout line, right? And we're waiting. And sometimes we find ourselves waiting like this in life. Instead of actively waiting on the Lord, pursuing our, pursuing him, binding ourselves to him. Instead, we're numbing and we're distracting so we don't have to wait. But if we're actively waiting, we're tying ourselves to the heart of God. We're tying ourselves to his word. We're tying ourselves to his discipline, what he's wanting to work out in our life. But most of us, we spend our time passively waiting distracting ourselves. I found that I was spending way too time on social media. And so I have now put boundaries on my social media on the phone. And so I would use the excuse, well, I'm a pastor. I need to make sure like our social media account's okay and then we can share stuff. And so I was finding too much time spent on my phone because I was really, what it boiled down to is I was just impatient. I needed to be distracted. And so I gave my 15-year-old rights to my phone. And so I have put boundaries, and this is just sharing that how you can do this in your life, and that I get one hour total social media a day. So that's Facebook, Instagram, whatever, one hour. And if I go over that hour, I get a note that says, your time's up. If I want more time, guess how I get more time? I have to go to my 15-year-old and say, hey, babe, can you put in my code? I need 15 more minutes or whatever. But what areas in our life do we need to set up boundaries because what we're doing is we're distracting ourselves instead of waiting patiently on the Lord, instead of binding ourselves. And so some of you, um, some of you have some people in your life that you may be done being patient with. I wanna encourage you, change your perspective forgive their shortcomings and, and find out how you can serve them. Maybe, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a spouse, um, maybe it's your child and an adult child and you're just frustrated beyond belief with them. Uh, don't distract yourself, bind yourself in the waiting. 
and maybe you're here and you think, man, I'm 21, I'm 22, I got so much I want to do with my life and I can't wait. Wait and bind yourself to the Lord. Maybe you're older and you're like, there's so much I want to do. I feel like I've, I've waited long enough, Lord. I know you're probably, like at one point, Abraham says to God when God says, he comes to him and says, I am your strength. I am your favor and all your promises are in me. And Abraham says, what good are your promises? I'm tired of waiting. And some of you may be in that place to where you're just tired of waiting and you want to see God move. Don't distract yourself. Don't get bitter, but instead continue to bind yourself to the Lord, to his word, to his power in your life. Um, and for some of you in here, um, the first step you need to take is to bind yourself in relationship to him. Careful. <laughs> is to bind yourself in relationship to him. Um, maybe you've been impatient with how things have worked out. And so you've been like Abraham and you've tried to take things into your own hands and you've tried to fix them in your own way and you just made a bigger mess because you're afraid of surrendering and what that would look like. But there are those of us in this room that have surrendered and we found that there is strength in that, right? And that we're not just waiting alone. And so that's what I want you to let you know. Like, that's what I want to let you know. Like, you don't have to wait alone. You may feel alone, but you're not. Not only do you have a church family that wants to, to strengthen you, to hold up your hands, to encourage you, but when we're not there, there is a Savior that wants to be there, that wants to strengthen, that wants to encourage you, but he wants you to bind yourself to him. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed today, and wherever you're at in your walk with God, we can always find ourselves closer. And I know like sometimes patience can just seem like such an insignificant and petty thing. But if you were to be honest and looking back in some of the decisions that you made and maybe some of the seasons that you've walked through, it's because you were unwilling to be patient and wait. And so you distracted or you numbed yourself instead of binding yourself to the Lord and waiting patiently on him. And so if you're in here today and you want to start waiting well, waiting with the Lord and waiting on the Lord through a relationship with Him. I want to ask you to do something and just simply a sign of surrender and just lifting your hand. You say, Stephen, I need a relationship with Jesus. There's some things that I've been waiting on and I've not been patient. I need His strength in my life. I need forgiveness for my sins. I need shame that I'm carrying around, doubt, insecurities that I'm carrying around. I need to turn that over to Him. And if that's you today, just very quickly, just, just lift your hand and you can slip it right back down. Awesome. Awesome. And for the rest of us in here, there's some things that you're waiting on. And I want to pray for you as well. If you're in a season to where you're impatient, would you just lift your hand? Here's, here's what we're going to do. For those of you who lifted your hand and say, I need to give my life to Jesus, we're going to pray for you, and you're going to pray right where you're seated. And it's not my prayers that save you, but it's simply saying yes to Jesus and saying, I give you my life. That I believe that you died for me. I believe in my heart. I'm confessing with my mouth that you are my Savior, that you are my Lord. God, forgive me. Guide me. Direct me.
wanna follow you. And then for the rest of us that we've lifted our hand, we're like, God, I'm so impatient right now. Where are you? You don't understand these people in my life. They're driving me crazy. Maybe you're driving yourselves crazy because we don't know how to wait well. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you today. I thank you for your word. Thank you that it's painful sometimes, but God, that it's also the medication that we need to change our lives, to heal our hearts, to heal our soul, to strengthen our body. So Father, I pray that your word has been a sword today, as it says that it cuts between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, changing us from the inside out, revealing who we are, God, that it strengthens, it equips, it encourages, it, it challenges, it teaches us. And so God, help us not to show our folly and our impatience. God, help us to wait patiently on you, not to, to passively just be distracted, but God, to turn to you, to lean into you, to lean on you, to just to bind ourselves to what you want to do in our lives, to submit and surrender to the process. God, just to be obedient and do what's expected and trust you with it all. And God, for those that are here today and they're stepping in a direction towards you, they're turning from their old ways, repenting from their, from their old ways, turning in a new direction, to follow you, God, I pray that the enemy has no voice in their ears right now, telling them they're unworthy, they're not good enough. God, I pray that they only hear your voice telling them that they are loved, they are forgiven, they are cherished, they are created with a purpose and on purpose, they are forgiven. So Father, we thank you for your word and your presence in our life today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says, amen. Come on, let's hand clap for what God's doing. Listen.